Maybe one church is getting blessed, but honestly, I haven't heard of any revivals. And we're not here just to have the Cumberland Church get blessed and grow and, you know, build a big, beautiful facility to impress all the neighbors. That's not our mission. We're too close to the end for missions like that. So if, if you wonder why we do so many prayer drives, you wonder why we push prayer so much, because nothing's going to happen without prayer. Right. And nothing on a family level, well, let's just go back to the end of it. Nothing's going to happen in your life if you don't have a prayer life with Jesus. That's right. Amen. Nothing's going to happen in your family if you don't have family prayer life. Uh -huh. Okay? Nothing's going to happen in your church if the church doesn't have a, a prayer life. And I'm talking a corporate prayer life. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. So we offer prayer every service. We offer prayer every week. We have special times that we go out and do things in prayer. I know, come on, we've all heard it. We've probably all said it. I know I've said it. Oh, well, it's just prayer. It's just prayer. But prayer is so powerful. Jesus himself at times separated himself and went to prayer. Yes. Jesus himself said, this kind doesn't go out unless there's prayer and fasting. Yes, amen. Does that mean God's got his hands tied? No, what God is saying is this is how I'm, I'm working. I work this through prayer and fasting. That's how I've chosen to do this particular item. Right? Yeah. And one uh, one preacher made a great point. He said what that means is Jesus was prayed up and fasted up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes we miss that. Well, he's God. He can do anything. He can supersede anything he wants. But that's the thing. He doesn't want to. He right. wouldn't have made us the way he made us if he wanted to supersede all the time. Right, right. He wouldn't have written his word the way he wrote it if he was always just wanting to supersede it. Right. But we can't also ignore the preceding word of God. Sometimes the Lord gives a word to test us or gives a word for us to act upon it, and then he gives us a preceding word. This is the word that we have to listen to as well. We have to uh, pay attention to the logos and the rhema, both the static and the flowing. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I feel like I'm preaching. That's not my message. So let me just step back a few minutes. Yeah, everybody take a deep breath. Lotus position, please. No, we won't do that. God is good. Amen. Amen. Someone have a word, testimony, song, revelation, tongue, interpretation of tongue. Anybody know what scripture I'm reading out of here? It's got a first Corinthians somewhere, 12, maybe, 14, something like that. Anybody have a word? God is doing some good things. Brother, Dave. I'm just thankful that uh, God's healing my back at this time. Amen. Amen. I'm just very thankful for health in general. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Feel good as a baby. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody thankful for health? Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be thankful for health. You can be healthy. That's right. Amen. Thank you, Brother. Sister Roland. Uh, thank the Lord for this weekend.
sinus problems. It was great. Thank you, Jesus. And I thank the Lord that I really believe as we were coming down the mountain and we were just coming down from the clouds and you saw the opening towards the form and Berlin and I said, Lord, let it be open all the way up. Thank you, Jesus. Let their hearts be opened. Um, I'm not sure always where they stand. I know they always give me a hard time. But praise God, I love my brothers and I'll never give up on them. All three of them. And so I thank God that there was an opening there, that there was more prayer down there to open up those, whatever it is that's blocking that area. Because it's very passionate. And probably less so these days because the church is not as strong as it used to be. But still, I said, Lord, let it be open so that they hear the truth. And they're not afraid to change. That's the big thing there. You know, I'm Catholic. I was always Catholic. Forever Catholic. I'll die Catholic. But they're not afraid to change. I know they think I'm nuts, but that's okay. Praise God. So I'm being used as the instrument. Yes, 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 yes. Amen. Yes, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. They uh, at least I got to see one other person that was halfway normal, right? You know, but we got to we got to spend a good three hours or so with one of her brothers, but tooling around the mountains on these side by sides that was fun. That wasn't exactly clean mountain air because there's a lot of dust, but uh, we got to we got to go, go several high places in the area, and there's a lot of high places. The whole presidential range up there and. Uh, some smaller hills as well. Uh, we had a great time. And uh, the last thing that uh, your sister-in-law said was, oh yeah, when we go, when we go down there, we'll have to uh, come see you. Yeah, come on by, amen. Praise God, now that, you know, they know that, you, you, you know, they might have thought I was crazy, but I was trying to put on my, you know, calm demeanor when I was there. Now, but now that they know we're not crazy, maybe you're not so crazy either. Praise God. <laughs> God is good. Uh, Amen. Yes, is. Someone else like to testify? Yes, Sister Mark. Praise the Lord. Praise, Praise the Lord. Lord. Amen. Uh, I want to thank the Lord for uh, healing my brother from a vast
for me, you know, sometimes it takes, you know, uh, it's not in my strength. I don't know how to explain it. I just come to God in weakness. Uh, what you said, or what the Lord led you to say this morning about it's not a shameful thing to come to God with our, you know, real, you know, just like God, you know, um, I, you know, I feel like I'm poor, miserable, blind and naked, you know, help me, you know, and, and you're not just making it up, you know, I mean, like, sometimes when we seek God, he'll show us the things in us, you know, um, but anyhow, I, I don't know what, I, uh, but I just, um, I'm thankful that, that God had provided like a fellowship time, a time of prayer, and um, it, it, it helped get me in the place where I needed to be, just to have whatever little niche to, to just be with with you and, and, and the rest uh, on the mountain. I was just very thankful uh, that God just, what does it say? He He orders our steps, you know? Yes, he does. <laughs> but, uh, so... I was reading in Hosea where it talks about um, I won't read the whole thing that's for sure but uh, it, it has some things to say you know about the condition of the people you know uh, Ephraim you know just different um, Israel you know uh, and Judah you know he's got some things to say you know and sometimes if you're just reading and, and you know you don't know what the, the next chapter says you know it doesn't seem like there's much hope, but uh, it's amazing, you know, what does it say in, in, in the Bible about how God, he says, it says, even if your conscience condemns you, God is faithful, he's greater than your conscience. Amen. So you're not even trusting in your own conscience, you know, it's like, like, like uh, Brother Chris was talking about, trusting, we have trust issues. Trusting in the Lord, you know, God having to remind you, you know, to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Which means that if you don't trust in the Lord with all your heart, if you're trusting in the Lord with some of your heart, God is a jealous God. He's going to challenge you, you know. As long as there's uh, room in our hearts to trust something else, God being a jealous God and wanting to get all the other gods out of his face, uh, why? Is because he's just a, a jerk, a tyrant? No, it's so that he can have intimacy with us, like you were saying, you know, and, uh, and right now I'm in a place where it's like, okay, absolutely, challenge whatever is in my life, if you have to, what does it say, though, though you slay me, and I will trust, you know what I mean, um, you know, but sometimes if we don't have understanding, when we're going through stuff, I believe Paul, he had an understanding, he came to a place where even when adversity was coming at him, he could start thanking God, because it's like, I know God's up to something, you know? Um, it says, I will go and return to my place until they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. Paul boasted, he said, you know, whenever affliction comes, that just gets me seeking God. Whatever the devil, whatever my flesh, whatever the world, 
you know, God works it out to the good. So I just thank God, whatever comes Jesus. my way, yes. you know, and uh, I, I want to have that attitude more, you know, yes. I don't always have that attitude, to be honest, you know, but I, I, I want to get on a deeper level and grow to where I could just thank God, whatever comes my way, you know what I mean? Yeah. Knowing that it's going to lead to, uh, I also want to get to the place where it's like, I don't want to see the old man, you know what I mean? Try to, I just want to see, I remember one time, this is the last thing I'm going to say, I remember one time watching Dean, right? And the Lord was just moving on him to pray for different people. And I just remember him looking back at me and saying, wow, you know, like, like he was blown away at what was going on. He wasn't looking at himself, you know. And and I I've seen you in that in that vein too. But I was just it was just wonderful to see because he wasn't glorifying himself. He was just being obedient to God, and he was just blown away at what Jesus was doing, even though he was working it through the vessel. But the vessel itself was too busy blown away by what Jesus was doing. It was almost like the vessel himself was surprised at what was happening. You know what I mean? Like, because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we are, you know, and uh, I just want to get like that, man, where I'm just blown away at what Jesus is doing and just very thankful, whether he's using me or not, but just very, uh, you know what I mean? Think, but thankful and quick to give him all the honor, glory, and praise. Yes, you know? yes, yes. I, I know, Amen. Uh, but
Praise God. We're, this is not a, a message about the sons of God today necessarily. But you know, it's, in, it's interesting to me that just in a few verses, if you look, if you look ahead just a few verses, um, you see from there, um, in the wrong chapter, that's why I'm not finding um, Let's uh, look up to around 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know, again, we're, we're not really necessarily going to highlight sons of God and all that stuff. We, we've done that, and there's some awesome verses in the Bible about that. I, I love what John has to say about the sons of God. As you know, because I quote it all the time, uh, John chapter 1, verse 12, but also 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. There's some awesome things in there about the sons of God. And we might read one of those verses uh, if some, if some smoke goes up, you just tell me, right? Anyway, uh, there's some awesome things about the sons of God. And one thing that strikes me, and, and you know me, and you know the way I teach it, and you know the way I feel, I don't make distinction between Old and New Testament. I don't. You know, the grace of God saved them in the Old Testament. The grace of God was still saving them in the New Testament. Amen. Praise God. The Word of God is the same, or Jesus Himself being the Word of God is yes. the same yesterday, today, and forever. So many, many times in the Old Testament we see, I am the Lord. I don't change. I'm not going to change. I don't have plan A, plan B, plan C. It's always been the plan right from the beginning. Yes. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I knew it was going to happen. I knew Adam was going to sin. I knew everything. I had, I had it all in my, my view screen there. Yeah. I knew it all. Yeah. I understood it. And we can get angry if God knew everything because, you know, why do we have to suffer so much? Well, this, Peter tells us why we suffer so much. He that hath suffered hath ceased from sin. Right? He wants us to cease from sin so that we can get into the place of hitting the mark instead of missing the mark. You know, suffering can be nothing more than just practicing at the range, right? You have to practice and practice and practice, whether you're shooting a bow or shooting a gun or shooting a rifle, whatever it is you're doing. Uh, you, you know, nobody can just pick up a, a, a 45 and, and hit a target at 50 yards. I don't care how much natural talent you have, you can't do it. There's a training session you have to go through. These, these special forces guys, they, they don't get that good just because they happen to be really, really talented, you know? It's not like the comic books where you have a comic book hero, you know, whether he's dead shot or whatever his name is, and he can just, something's bugging me over here anyway. Devil, get out of here in the name of Jesus. You know, he's got this natural superhero <coughs> talent that no matter if he picks up a rock or picks up a gun, he can hit his target. That's crazy. That's not true. That doesn't happen that way. You have to train and you train and train. And that training is just another word for suffering. What's going on? You're modifying yourself. You're chiseling your focus into a narrow beam, right? So that when you decide to hit a target, you can hit a target. Now, why am I talking about target? Because the word in a sin 
in Greek means to miss the mark. So when we're sinning, we're not hitting the mark straight up. So he chisels us. He hammers us. He takes us into a different place. He conforms us. Transforms us. Is anybody with me today? Amen. He makes us into a son. Praise God. He makes us into his image. How does he do that? It takes a lot of beating on us. Praise God. Even the book of Hebrews says, though he being the son, speaking about Jesus, he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Praise God. Now, back in the, you know, four or five hundred years ago, the word suffering did not really mean what it means today. It means to let happen or to permit or to allow. And this goes into the idea of clean and unclean uh, that we get out of the Old Testament. Unfortunately, those terms are translated in a way that in, in modern English just really gives a bad taste in our mouth. Like, God's going to tell me I'm unclean. Well, He's God. He made you. He knows if you're clean or unclean. Right? If we pass by Him and He goes, He knows. Come on. Somebody work with me here. Alright, everybody stand to your feet. Everybody up. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Hallelujah. We're about to start jogging here in a minute, okay? Okay? You start. No. Well, come on, let's just lift our hands and praise the Lord. We have to get rid of this uh, dead space here. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we say to your people today, Lord God, and I desire to be that vessel. If you desire another vessel, Lord God, then make it clear. But Lord, in the meantime, we ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive the Word of God today. Hallelujah, without hesitation. Lord God, that we might grasp the hold of the Spirit and truth of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. We love you. Praise God. All right. Praise God. I know it's hard to hear about suffering. I know it's hard to hear about change. But here's the thing. That's the only way it's going to happen. It's the only way it's going to happen. It's making us the sons of God. Now what we're talking about in this particular passage, he says in one place, he says a lot of things that we haven't even covered, and so I'm breaking right in the middle of the thought, but he says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're the Son of God. But that can give us, you know, okay, I'll just be led by the Spirit. Well, there's a lot of Spirit out there. There's the Spirit of God. There's the Spirit of the enemy. There's the Spirit of the world. There's the Spirit within your own heart. Within your own being. You have a Spirit too, so there's human spirits. That, you know, and that collectively make up the spirit of the world. And you've got the spirit of the enemy, and there's a lot of devils out there, folks. Okay? You, you might even be able to say, well, then that means that, you know, there's spirits of the, the holy angels. Sure, but they're never going to lead you outside of uh, God's own spirit, okay? So we just lump the righteous spirit, all, you know, the righteousness of God all together in that regard. Understand, we can't just be led by spirit. We've got to be led by the Spirit. Amen. And being led by the Spirit is what makes us into the sons of God. But it says here in verse number 19, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. In other words, it's saying that word creature there should be creation. And it's the idea of the whole creation is waiting for sons of God to manifest. In other words, it's waiting for people to begin 
to be led by the Spirit. So, well, yeah, okay, you're convincing us, Pastor. Let's be led by the Spirit. But I don't think you know where I'm going with this. You might think you know, but I don't think you do. It says in verse 18, one more time, I reckon that the sufferings. Listen, you know, we're reckoning. It's not just a southern way of saying stuff. Okay? There weren't southerners that put this translation together. What they're saying is, you've taken the, you've taken the ledger out. And you're doing a reckoning. You're making sure everything's lining up, right? He says, so after I've studied this thing out, and after I've ever, I've put all the columns of information in order, I, this is what I have reckoned, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. What this means is we pay too much attention on the things that we're suffering now. That does not mean God's not a healer. It doesn't mean we can't get healing. It doesn't mean we can't pray for healing. It doesn't mean we can't request prayer for healing. Right. Is somebody with me? Yeah. Praise God if we're struggling financially. It doesn't mean that we can't pray. But what it means is it's not worthy to put on the pedestal with God. Right. Or even the things that are going to be coming for us. What does it say? I reckon sufferings of this present time are not to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, this sounds a lot like John. It sounds a lot like John. In fact, you know what? I, I can't get away with it. Just, let's just do it. I'll read it again. I know some of you might be tired of me reading this over and over. We're going to read it. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we, put your hand on your heart and say we, we, we should be called, should be called, sons of God. Therefore the world doesn't know us because it didn't know Him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is. Another again, uh, in other words, Paul says, now we look through a glass, darkly, a dim mirror, a clouded mirror. We don't see it all now. It's not clear to us right now, but there's some things we do understand. We understand this, and we understand this, and we understand that, so we got to go with it. We understand that we live in faith and hope and love, right? right. We understand that much, and so we got to follow after these things. We know that we need to believe in God. We know that we need to hope in God. And we need to know that we have to have the offspring and the outshooting actions of love in our life. We know this much. We don't know a lot else. We don't know what mature children of God look like. And this is what Paul is talking about. Maturity. This is what uh, he's talking about in Romans. It's what he's talking about in Corinthians. But that's also what John is talking about. We don't know. And James of course talking about we don't know everything that's going to happen to us or with us. What it's all going to be. But we know this much. I know this much about making a tally. Making a record. Making a reckoning. Hallelujah. We've all heard of God coming and making a reckoning. Right? Yes. He's going to. Yes. He's going, to, he's going to pull out the books, isn't he? Yes. And there's going to be a reckoning one day. We want to be in the in the good column, folks. Right. All right. I don't, I don't think I need to convince you of that, but we need to be in the good column. Praise God. He says, I reckon that the stuff we have to go through now is not even worthy to be compared. Oh, I just thank God that, you know, I... All this suffering I'm going through, I just know I got, you know, you know it's not even worth talking about. It. 
I thank God that he, I'm His child. I thank God that I'm His son. I'm, I thank God that I'm in His kingdom. I thank God that He has saved me by His grace and mercy. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. The rest of it is what is shaping us up. And I said I wasn't going to get uh, off into this sons of God thing, but let me read one more scripture. Can I do that? Yeah. We're going to be talking about more about the leading of the Spirit. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. 15 says it this way. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. This is what Paul is saying is the goal. That we be blameless, that no one can rebuke us, that we're sons of God. What is he saying? People led by the Spirit. Yeah. Now, I want to I want to give you an example in the Word that might open up your eyes, and I'm praying that the Lord will open up your eyes. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I want you to just go through an exercise with me here. Luke chapter 4, verse number 1, we see that Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, everybody say, full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost. Jesus have to get the Holy Ghost too? Well, fortunately, he, the Spirit inside him is the Holy Ghost. Right? Yes. right. And what this passage is saying is, that Spirit was wholly in charge in that moment. Mm -hmm. Listen, all of us have the Holy Ghost though. So guess what? We all have the ability to have the Holy Ghost in full control at times. Right. You might even argue that it, it can happen all the time. Amen. He that hath suffered hath ceased from sin. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the biggest deterrents of being full of the Holy Ghost is an unwillingness to go through anything. Mm -hmm. An unwillingness to suffer in any small regard. Oh, I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to... Empty out my bank account for that. Or I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stress my ailing body to do that. Or I, I'm I'm not gonna challenge my own introverted nature to go talk to somebody about that. Come on now. Somebody wiggle a finger at me yeah. if I'm saying anything that makes sense. Okay. We this is the biggest, I think. This is, this is an opinion of mine, but I think it it really uh holds true in the Word, okay? The biggest deterrent, or one of the biggest deterrents to us being full of the Holy Ghost is that we are just unwilling to suffer. That's true. Sometimes we don't even want to go out, when, you know, out, out, outside when it's 95. Well, I'm with you. I don't necessarily like 95 any more than the rest of you. Okay? But we also don't want to go out when it's zero. Right? right? You know, so we, we have to find our... Our preferred range, you know, people still need need God on on uh, eighty degree days, right? Yeah. You know, yes. do they need God more on eighty degree day or a ninety five degree day? Probably ninety five degree day. So that's the days you got to go out and help, right? Praise God. A lot of times it's just an unwillingness to suffer. I don't. I've got too many things to do to to take this much time in prayer. I don't want to drive across country to go to some meeting. It's too much time. It's too expense. It's too much effort. It's too much suffering. 
Was it Brother, was it, who was talking about Brother, Brother Dave, we were talking about this some time ago. There, there's some small debate, it's not a big one, but was he tempted the whole 40 days or was he just tempted at the end? Well, he was probably tempted the whole 40 days, the entire time the devil was messing with him, but it wasn't until the end that we see the specific challenges. And, and I think the book of Luke brings that out pretty good. It says, being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he didn't eat anything. So while he's being tempted of the devil for 40 days, he also didn't eat. Come on now, folks. When we fast for three days, we really think we're suffering. Yeah, true. Whether the devil's messing with us or not. Yeah. Well, Jesus didn't have his normal meals. And he also had the devil messing with him for over a month. Right. Come on, folks. This isn't fun. No. This isn't nice. It's nothing any of us like to go through. If the devil messes with me one a day, I don't like it. Right. Yeah. Me and my good example. Me and my wife were in an old country store uh, Friday. And we went in there, and our daughter immediately started acting up. No, Daddy, I want to leave. This place is creepy. And all the people that work in there looked over like, hmm, you know. And, uh, you know, we're going around, you know, just behave, behave, stop acting like that. You know, and uh, I was, I'm starting to get aggravated. I don't know about my wife, but I'm starting to get really just, like, itchy, like, ugh, you know, and it's, like, really muggy in there, like it is in here today. But, you know, like, I mean, just, like, you know, you can just, like, almost wipe water off your arm. It's like, man, you know, it's muggy in here. And uh, the, the floor was literally slippery. It was so muggy in there. It gets that way here in these fellowship hall. Everyone's going to Anyway, um, and she, the whole time, she's just like, I want to leave, I don't want to go there. So anyway, finally we, we left because she was just acting up and she would not settle down. We left, we, we pulled out of the parking lot, we pulled down the road. At the same exact moment, me and my wife both took a deep breath. Oh, and sighed. And all, all of a sudden it just dawned on me. Huh, there were spirits in that place. There are spirits in that place aggravating the Holy Spirit in us. Yeah. And I was messing with my little girl. Yeah. And she was feeling it. Yeah. And we didn't recognize it. We should have, but we didn't. We didn't recognize that what was going on, it was a creepy place because there were devils in there. Right. And it was only when we got out of the influence of these devils that we took a collective sigh of relief. Like, huh. And my daughter immediately was feeling better. Just fine. Wow, we can't even handle five minutes where a devil is. But in the name of Jesus, yes, we can. That's right. Amen. Amen. A lot of times it's just about being aware of it. Yep. But we have a hard time getting messed with for a day. Come on, we've all been messed with. Yep. Sure. Yep. Hey, if you're a child of God, the devil's messed with you. Yes, he is. Okay? Jesus is in that wilderness for 40 days, nothing to eat. And so while he was there, he didn't eat anything, that's what it says. And uh, understatement of the Bible it says and when uh, they were in it afterward he hungered or he afterward hungered yeah come on anybody go one day without getting hungry yeah. he went 40 days yeah he was hungry okay yeah so that's when the devil really started giving him his specific challenges and as we learn right off the bat it's not about the power to create bread out of inanimate objects right it's not about that. It's not about fulfilling your immediate desires. It's about what God wants to do. 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what the, the Lord is telling us and what He's showing us is, yes, the Bible says, by His stripes we are healed. Yes, the Bible says, you are saved by grace. Yes, the Bible says that you have been given life and that more abundantly. Yes, the Bible says, give and it shall be given you in greater measure. Amen? Come on, there's a lot of awesome promises. Brother Tim gave one today out of uh, Ephesians 3.20. You know, it's exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I mean, this, this stuff that God's got for us, the stuff that the, the power of the church and the power of God inside of us, you know, He is able to use that and go beyond our puny little imaginations, right? right. Yes. He is able to do so much better than our wildest imaginations. These are promises. And nothing I'm saying today are taking away any of these promises. But what we're talking about is a lot of times our spirits know what's going on without our heads know what's going on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. A lot of times we don't, we instinctively, we kind of, in the inward man, we know, I don't want to really be led by the Spirit. Because if I'm led by the Spirit, the Spirit tells me to do things sometimes that I don't want to do. And so I would rather not be full of the Holy Ghost. And what does Paul say in one place? He said, do not be full of wine where it is excess, but be full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, what is Paul saying? He, he's not just picking on one particular human failure. Okay? What he's saying is, it's a tendency of man Instead of being filled up with the Holy Ghost, we'd rather be filled up with something that's going to make us feel good. But what does wine do to you if you fill yourself up with it? It makes you feel good for a minute, and then you feel real bad after a while. Anybody that's drank a lot of wine knows exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know about how your experience was, but my experience was, if I drank too much wine, it gave me that uh, hangover headache. If I drank too much beer... For whatever reason, it didn't do that. It usually made me more sick to my stomach. Okay? But something about wine always gave me that headache. And I'm not glorifying any of this. I'm just telling you. I, I, I knew if I filled myself on too much of this stuff, I was going to feel bad later, no matter how good I felt now. But if I fill myself up on the Holy Ghost, here's something we know instinctively. Sometimes that's going to hurt too. Right. But isn't it crazy how things are just... Opposite. Sometimes He'll lead us into suffering when we're full of the Holy Ghost in order to have the better outcome. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, or rather, right now, what you want, it won't even be a blip on the screen when the glories that shall be hereafter shall arrive. Amen? Amen. Come on, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has for them that love Him. Amen? It's beyond our imagination. The promise is still there, folks. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Praise God. These promises are still there. And we can still attain unto them. But let me just make it very clear. And I know I'm preaching long. But let me make it clear, folks. We still need to be led by the Spirit. Amen? We still need to become sons of God. It is going to be a chiseling process. It's going to be a transforming process. And don't fool yourself into thinking, I can handle it. You can't handle it. And don't think that you're going to like it. You don't like it. Right. 
True. Amen. Praise God. You know, I, uh, we went. We were at some camp, we, we, ALJC camp, um, years ago, and one, one of the preachers, I can't remember who it was, uh, they said, who likes working out? There's a few people that raised their hands, oh, shut up and sit down, you know? <laughs> Nobody likes working out. Oh, yeah, we really do. No, what we like is we like the euphoric feeling. Because once you start pumping iron or whether you're running or whatever it is you're doing, uh, all of a sudden endorphins start flowing, right? Yeah. And we like the euphoric feeling that happens in it. But no one likes the first push-up. No one likes the first pull-up. No one likes it when you first pull-up. <laughs> no one likes it. Don't fool yourself into thinking you like it. You only like the results. And you like the feeling you get afterwards. And we know these things in the natural. And we refuse them often in the spiritual. And this is just the point that we're making. Now, I, I want to I cross-reference this to Mark chapter 1, okay? Let's go back a book to Mark chapter 1. Hallelujah. You all are going to love me better once the message is over. Yeah. It's like hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. It feels so good when you stop. <laughs> Praise God. So we're just, we're just working this thing so that you're really going to love me afterwards when I finally shut up, all right? Here we go, Mark chapter 1. Verse number 11. Says, there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Anybody wait for that voice out of heaven? I am. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to the day where I stand in front of the throne of God. He said, Well done, my good servant. Amen? Amen. Good and faithful servant. Praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to hear the voice coming out of heaven, coming off the mountain, coming down from the throne of God. I'm waiting. Are you waiting for that too? I am. I, I am hoping and loving His appearing. Praise God. I am not dreading His appearing like, like I used to do when I was a teenager. I love His appearing. I want the things to happen on the earth that has to happen before the Lord comes back. I'm not worried about it because it means He's coming back. Hallelujah. But it says here, you know, this voice came out of heaven. A voice that apparently a bunch of people heard down there at the Jordan River. This is my son. And I like him a whole lot. And he's doing everything that makes me happy. So this is what I'm going to do to him. Verse number 12. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts. And the angels ministered unto him. A little bit more information Mark gives and the, the other ones don't. But the problem is, this is how happy I am with my boy for being led by the Spirit. You know, what's the difference between being driven into the Spirit and being led by the Spirit? Well, they're pretty much the same thing, uh, with one minor difference. Usually, when we think of being led by the Spirit, it's something we like to be led into. Oh, we had a great service today, didn't we? The Spirit really moved. Well, that means some different things to different people. Uh, the Spirit really moved is uh, we had a especially moving worship service right? where more than 50% uh, of the congregation raised their hand at one point. That's a move of God. Uh, some people think a move of God is, uh, is where the preacher couldn't even preach. And we like when the preacher don't preach. <laughs> the Spirit moves so much, the preacher didn't even preach, and everybody's just praying for each other. Okay? Some people think that's a great move of God. 
Sure. Well, I'm not with that. Other people think a great move of God is if someone gets healed. Or if someone gets the Holy Ghost, or someone gets baptized. That, oh man, we had a move out today. Man, we're having a revival. <laughs> it means different things to different people. It really is our expectations. But nobody minds being led into the Spirit when we think of a move of God in that fashion. Hey, yes, I want to be led into a place where I'm on my on my face before God, just you know, just shivering and quaking. Some people like that stuff. Some people don't. Some people like getting slain in the Spirit. All the way up until I was about 36 years old, I didn't even believe being slain in the Spirit might, I suspected it might not even be a real thing. That people were just getting emotionally excited. Now, I grew up in Pentecostal services from a, from not a very small child, sorry, from a child the age of this one right here. You know, I, I have been in church since I was two weeks old. I've seen all kinds of things in a spirit-filled service, okay? And yet I grew up with my little stoic, you know, introverted, analytical, standing aside saying, hmm, I'm not so sure about that. Because when I got the Holy Ghost, uh, I didn't remember anything. I didn't remember getting slain in the spirit, but I did. But I didn't consciously remember it. I still don't to this day. So I wasn't sure if it was real. Well, one day, a man of God prayed for me. I was standing about right here. A man of God laid his hand on me. I'm laying on the floor, giggling like an idiot. But I wasn't totally unconscious. But I finally realized at that moment, yeah, this stuff really happens. There's all kinds of things. that Some people like it, some people don't. I'm one of those guys that don't. And that's probably why it never happened to me before that. I don't want to lose control. There was one time where uh, someone was praying for me and the tears were just like waterfalls down my face. And there was another young man in the church, one of my friends in the church. I was a teenager. Uh, another teenage kid, you know, I went back and sat down, you know, doing all the snorking and, you know, all that stuff. And he just looked at me and he's just got this scowl on his face. And I looked over at him like, what? He's like, what does it feel like when you lose control like that? And for the first time in that particular service, I didn't realize that that's exactly what happened. I lost control. Spirit gained control of my life, and I lost control. And that got me to thinking, I really don't like it. I, I knew God did something for me that day, did a lot of great things for me this day. My life was transformed that day, and thank God for it. But in my own humanity, in my own temperament, I really don't like it, but you know there's other people that do. My only point here is when we talk about being led of the Spirit, we usually are thinking about the things we like. When we're talking about being driven by the Spirit, it's always the stuff we don't like. But really being driven by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit is kind of the same thing. Because if you're an ox and you're yoked up to Jesus and the ox driver is got the reins on you, he's leading you and driving you at the same time. Even though he's behind you. Now, or we could think of it this way. You tie a rope around an ox's neck, and you lead him, right? Or you yoke him up and you get behind him and you crack a whip, and uh, the thing is moving, right? Yep. Either way, you're going in the direction God wants you to go. It's really the same thing, whether God is leading you or driving you. 
It amounts to the same thing anyway. The methods might be a little different. But here in Mark, it says he drives them into the wilderness. Over in Luke, and also in Matthew, it says he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. The book of Luke makes it clear that he didn't just be led by the Spirit. He was full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And the book of Mark lets us know that he had just received a, a heavenly combination. Good boy. Big old colossal pat on the back, right? That's my boy. Now get out there in the wilderness and suffer for 40 days. That's bad parenting. No. No, it was good. I, I want to draw your attention to, to Acts chapter 6. Real quick. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? Yes. All right. If you're not, let's get okay, all right? In verse number 8, it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power. Sorry, let's move up a little bit. Let's talk about Stephen before. Let's, uh, yes, in verse number 5, And the same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And a bunch of other guys with him. Down in verse 8 now, this is Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles amongst the people. That's great. That's wonderful. That's exactly what we think of when we talk about being full of faith and power, being full of the Holy Ghost. That's exactly the image that we get. Oh, man. You know, then why isn't more of God's people full of the Holy Ghost? I have the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying whether you got the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about whether you spoke in tongues some years ago. Have you spoken in tongues today? not asking anybody to raise their hand, but I would suggest very strongly, and this is a very strong and pastoral hand here, before you leave this house, you need to be speaking in tongues. So you can't regulate that, Pastor. The Holy Ghost can and should in your life. If you have not spoken in tongues today, don't leave this place without getting filled up with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. But even speaking in tongues is not being full of the Holy Ghost. Being full of the Holy Ghost is where your little flesh can't draw anymore. And we often, we always think that's the point where only good things can happen. Well, if that were the case, then why aren't more people full of the Holy Ghost? If only good things happen when we're full of the Holy Ghost, I'll tell you why. Because our inner man knows that not only uh, good things happen, or I should say, it's not always good things that do happen when we're full of the Holy Ghost. What happened to Stephen? He went out there and he did the wonders and signs and miracles, and that's great, but he also got stoned. It wasn't very long. I mean, the narrative makes it feel like it wasn't very long at all. He gave a Bible study to the Sanhedrin Council. He was presumptuous enough to do so. He gave them a Bible study that they were intimately acquainted with and at the very end he said how long are you going to keep resisting the Holy Ghost and they just they got so mad at him they started biting him and then they stoned him this man was so full of the Holy Ghost he said don't lay it to their church and he died but he was full of the Holy Ghost how could anything bad happen to him it's your definition of bad in God's definition of bad Stephen had just looked up and said I see him in the clouds and they got so angry at him praise God 
the end of verse uh, chapter 7, right? He said, uh, verse 56, Acts 7, 56, And behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran upon him with one accord, and cast him out of the city, and stoned him. You know, Stephen's seeing visions. He's seeing the heavens open. And it's only making the, the worldly, you know, the traditional religious leaders rather mad, right? They're getting so angry they had to kill him. But all they were doing is bringing him right into those clouds. Right into that glory. Now this is man's version of bad opposed to God's version of bad. God says, it's not bad when my boy comes home. Precious in the sight of God on the death of his saints. It's the death of his saints. Amen? Does anybody remember that scripture out of the Psalms? This is precious to God. This is something good. My boy is coming home. Amen. His earthly mission is done. Now, Stephen got out of there quick. Good for him, and I mean that. Good for him. He did his job. He learned how to be full of the Holy Ghost early. So much that he went out there full tilt and said, I don't care. I'll talk to the highest religious council and tell them they're a bunch of no-good sinners that need God and they need to stop resisting the Holy Ghost. This is what we do, folks. We resist the Holy Ghost. Why? Because when we're full of the Holy Ghost, often He leads us into a wilderness and we don't want that. We don't want it. So what's the difference between led and driven? Well, being led is when you're willing. Driven is when you're not. Well, how can Jesus both be led and driven? Well, because the, the flesh is weak, but the Spirit is willing. Right. Amen? Yep. Praise God. The Holy Ghost is willing for Him to go through that. The flesh is not. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good to us, folks. He really is. Yes, He is. He really is. Are we going to be led by the Spirit? Mm -hmm. this, this is the challenge that God's got for us. I've got other notes here, but you know what? I, I don't think I'm going to go that way. We're called to be sons of God. But if we can't put up with even the smallest amount of sufferings, then what Paul says, not even worthy to be compared. We're not going anywhere with God. We, you will not see miracles. You will not see wonders. You will not see anything in your own life. You won't see success. Not spiritual success. I'm not talking about worldly success. But even that is a part of it because God will bless your venture. He will bless you to do His work. Amen? Amen. But I'm talking about mainly here spiritual stuff. You want revelation from God? Then be full of the Holy Ghost. See, we're waiting for God to fix all our problems, and then we'll be full of the Holy Ghost. Don't lie to yourself, and don't fool yourself, because God's fixed your problems more times than you know. God's fixed your situation so many times, you don't even know how many times. We can come into the power of God. We can come into the house of God. We can come into the presence of God sometimes and sit on Him, cross arms, and say, I can't wait till the preacher stops preaching. How many times is the worship leader going to sing the same chorus? My goodness, we've been singing this song ten minutes. Don't act like you've never thought such thoughts. I know I have. I know I have. Hey, I, I, used to, I used to fall asleep on my dad. I'm thinking, man, how many times is he going to say the same thing over and over and over? And here I am at 
front of you folks saying the same thing. It might be the Lord's trying to get a point across to us. Come on here. If you've got the Holy Ghost at all, you have the ability to be full of the Holy Ghost. And the Lord is saying that's where it is. The people that are led by the Spirit, they're the sons of God. Amen? Now when John, and I'm going to end with this, when John, back to 1 John chapter 3, when he says that we should be the sons of God, you know what he was saying? Every time we see that terminology in, in Hebrew, sons of God, B'nai Ha'elohim in Hebrew, when we see that in the Hebrew uh, portion of the Bible, it always is talking about these massive, strong, angelic beings. Anybody with me? Yep. Sons of God were mentioned in Genesis 6. Sons of God were mentioned in the book of Job. Sons of God were mentioned in the Psalms. Every time we see sons of God, it's always talking about powerful, angelic beings. And then John comes along and says, isn't this great that God is saying we should be sons of God? Powerful messengers of truth. Not little weaklings that you know have to take the sufferings of the world. No, the sufferings of this present time shouldn't be on the table. It shouldn't be even hardly on the reckoning tablet. Right. And if you do take a reckoning, you can find out this doesn't even add up. We don't even need this because there's so, so, uh, something so much greater. Yes, we're going to do great things. We are going to win the loss. We are going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. We're going to cast devils out. We're going to see miracles performed. Amen? Amen. It's going to happen. I mean, if you expect it to happen, it's going to happen. If you pray for it to happen, it's going to happen. But it's only going to happen when we're full of the Holy Ghost. And it's also only going to happen when the Holy Ghost leads you into a desert to be messed with with the devil so that you can stand up to him and say, the Word of God doesn't say that. The Word of God says this. And devil, you're not getting me off my course. Amen. If we have to come all the way to the threshold of death to get these understandings, God Almighty is willing that we should do so. Now, here's the big question. Are you willing to do so? Stand with me. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, as Brother Douglas used to say, that ain't about right. That's all right. Amen. Praise God. What we've spoken to you today is by the leading of the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not trying to convince you that. I'm only confirming what your heart already knows. Your hearts know that we should be full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Then why aren't we always full of the Holy Ghost if it's such a great thing? Because we know that's when the change comes. A man of God can lay his hands on you all day long and pray until he's absolutely passed out. And it won't change you a bit if you're not willing to have something happen. Come on now. Come on now. I know this altar might not be comfortable. So right where you are, come on, let's have an altar. An altar is just to raise the earth. Come on, let's raise our flesh, our earth to God here. We can do that best by raising our hands. Let's become taller than we are. Let's come up. Let's raise our hands up taller than we are. Come on, let's be filled with the Holy Ghost. I know a lot of times it's easier when there's music playing. And I know a lot of times it's easier when someone's praying for you. 
that let's we, we are going into a wilderness where we cannot rely on people to always be praying for us. Come on, that's the whole point about the Spirit. If you haven't been in that wilderness yet, the Lord's going to drive you into it. Come on, let's be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Let's pray for a while. Let's praise the Lord for a while. Let's get filled up with the Holy Ghost. Lord God in heaven, I'm asking you to fill every single one of these. Lord God, I'm asking you to fill every single one of our children in the other room. Lord God, I'm asking you to fill, uh, Lord Jesus, those that are not in church today. Lord God, I'm asking you to bring those people that used to come to church here back to church because they've been filled with your Holy Ghost and bring them back in so they can get filled again. And in the meantime, fill them up even where they are, Lord God. Even if they don't know what's happening, even if they haven't invited it, Lord God, somehow get a hold of them, convict their hearts, and let them understand they need to be full of the Holy Ghost in fire right now. They need to be baptized again right here and right now, Lord God, but especially those who have come out to the house of God. Fill us up, oh God. Fill us up to capacity. Fill us up till we can't handle anymore, Lord God. Fill us up till there's absolutely no room. Until you're spilling over, Lord God. So I give you praise. Lord God, I give you honor. I give you glory. Hallelujah. Knowing that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Also knowing that if I give, Lord God, it shall be given to me to a greater measure spilling over my sides, Lord God. So I give you honor. I give you glory. I give you praise, oh God. Fill me up. Fill me up, oh God. Fill me up. Hallelujah, why don't you lay your hands on your neighbor's shoulder and partner up for a second. Hallelujah. Oh, just pray one for another. Pray, Lord God, fill them with the Holy Ghost. Pray, Lord God, fill them up to capacity with the Holy Ghost and fire. Hallelujah, Lord God, fill us up. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with the wind of God. Fill us with the breath of life. Fill us with the living waters. Fill us with the fire of God. Fill us with the oil of gladness. Fill us up, Lord God. Fill us up, Lord God. Fill us up, Lord God. Fill us till we can't be filled anymore.